Hello, it's good to be able to share with you this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're watching this. My name's Dave and I'm part of the team at Gold Hill. And as we have sort of some of the remnants of Christmas around us, we're now firmly into January though. And uh, as a church, we've been embarking on this month of prayer. And on Sundays, we've been exploring this idea, this theme of getting in shape, not just in terms of having diets and going on runs and that kind of thing. But what does it mean for us to get our lives in shape? What does it mean for us as a church to be in shape? Stephen kicked that off a couple of weeks ago by thinking about our big why. Why is it that we even exist? What is it that we're here for? And our verse for the year, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Our decision that this year it will be all about him, all about God. And then as we've considered that big why, we're then flowing into a few weeks of thinking about how. What does that mean for our lives? What does it mean for different parts of our life? Last week, Stephen was thinking about our physical shape, our bodies and the way that we use them and the way that we treat them. Today, I want to be talking about our financial shape as we explore the idea of balancing the books. Now, why am I talking about money? Well, money matters to God. Here's some, here's some statistics for you. Out of the 38 parables that Jesus tells in the Bible, 16 of them, that's just under half, deal with money and possessions. That's quite a lot. Nearly 25%, that's a quarter of Jesus' words in the New Testament, deal with money or our stuff. One out of ten verses in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, one out of ten verses in all of those four books is about money. And just to cap it off, there are more than 2,000 verses, 2,000 sentences in the Bible that are to do with money or giving or possessions, and that's twice as many twice as many as both faith and prayer combined. Money matters to God. There's plenty about it in the Bible. But why is it that money is so important? Well, the truth is that money affects a lot of things about our life. Money also affects your faith. Money affects the way that we relate to God, positively or negatively. Jesus famously said, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, it's not controversial for us to say that we live in a materialistic and a consumeristic culture. Advertising is huge. It's a multi-billion pound industry. There's always companies or people trying to sell us stuff, trying to influence the way that we'll use our money, trying to get our money, trying to help us save our money or increase our money or spend our money. Money is all around us and our culture in some ways is, is driven by it. So. The way that we approach our money, the way that, we, in, that we, we relate to our money and our possessions and our stuff will have an impact on the way that we relate to God. It, it, it just will. Money can have a grip on us. It can be the thing that we serve. It can be the thing that dominates our thinking and dominates our life, either because we have loads of it and because we love it and maybe because we want more or because we think, I don't have enough of it. And maybe if I did, then fill in the blank for yourself. Money can have a grip on us in all kinds of different ways, but even if, even if we don't think it has a grip or a hold on us, the truth is that it affects all of us. Money, possessions, wealth has an impact on all of our lives, and so it's important that we are managing it and it's not managing us, that we've got it the right way around. That money and wealth and the things that we have are there to serve us and ultimately to serve God rather than us serving it. Now, I want to start with a really important disclaimer. This is not going to be a message about giving. 
I'm not going to be talking to you about giving or about how we should give or those kinds of things today. It's an important topic, but it's not what I'm talking about today. There's two reasons that I don't want to talk about giving today. The first is that sometimes when someone in my position, when a church leader, when a pastor decides to, to preach about giving, suddenly we're talking in a different way than we would any other week of the year. Because maybe 51 weeks out of the year, I will preach, I'll open up the Bible in order to share what I want for you, what I believe God wants for you. And then I can turn it around, talk about giving, and suddenly I'm talking about what I want or what God wants from you. This is a message today about what God wants for you, not just what God wants from you. The second reason that I don't want to talk about giving is that actually what I want to talk about is about far more than just what we give away. It's also about what we keep. There's, there's no single possession, no single pound or penny in your bank account that I'm not talking about today. And the reason for that is that I was inspired about a year ago, uh, listening to a guy called Chris Goulard, who is a pastor in a church in America. He's part of Saddleback Church, for those who know about it. And he describes four kinds of people, four kinds of people represented by these four circles. The first is, is what he describes as a self-absorbed owner. This is someone who sees 100% of their stuff as their own. They would say something like, I have full authority. This is the self-absorbed owner. They're not thinking about giving anything. They're not thinking about uh, what they're going to do with their wealth for anything other than what will make them happy and what will help them. They're the self-absorbed owner. Then the second kind of person is the obligated owner. This is someone who would, who would say that, well, yeah, 100% of my stuff is mine, but I will give it occasionally to certain people as I see fit and as I choose to. This is someone who might say the phrase, I know I should give. So you've got the self-absorbed owner, it's all about me. You've got the obligated owner, it's kind of all about me, but I'll give away when I want to. Then the next kind of person is the obedient owner. This is someone who gives. This is someone who does what the Bible uh, encourages us to do, which is to give 10% of, of, of what we earn, give 10% of what we have away. This is someone who will say 90% uh, of what I have is mine and 10% is God's. This is someone who would say, I will obey God and give. I want to I be clear. This is a good kind of person. This is someone who has recognised that it's not all about them, that God actually does want something of them and their finances and is going to give. That's a, that's, a, that's a good thing. But here's the reason I don't want to talk about giving today, because ultimately that isn't where I want us to stay. I think there's a far better place to be. And this is what Chris Goulard describes as a love-inspired steward. This is someone who realises that 100% of what they have is God's. They would say the sentence, God has total authority. See, if I was to talk about giving today, the very best I could do is make you a better giver, which is good. But I want to talk about something far bigger and better than that. I want to talk about being a steward of all that you have. I'm going to explain a little bit more about that, but I'm not talking about giving. I'm talking about stewarding every single thing that we have, that we've been given, every single uh, skill, all of our time, all of our possessions, all of our wealth. We're talking about being a steward of all of that, managing, balancing it, using it well. So how do we do that? Well, I think it comes back to that verse for the year, that verse for the year that says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. That's the heart of it. 
It's saying, this isn't about me. None of my stuff is about me. It's all about you. It's all for you. It's a statement of faith. If you're watching this and you're thinking, well, I, I haven't got that faith. I'm not a Christian. I don't believe that all of my stuff is God's. I'm not even sure I believe in God. Can I encourage you that what I'm going to be sharing today is what I see as a Christian view of money, a Christian view of stuff. I want to encourage you that as you're listening to consider, is it more or less compelling, more or less sort of enticing and engaging than a world's view of stuff, which would largely say, look out for yourself, be generous where you can, but ultimately your stuff is yours to do with as you please. The message that I'm going to share may seem a big challenge to that worldview, and it is, but I want to say that I think it might actually be a better one, a more encouraging one. Psalm 115 verse 1 is that phrase, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. A little bit later on in that psalm, there's some other words, and they're what I want to focus on today. Psalm 115, starting at verse 14. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord both now and forever. Praise the Lord. I think these, these verses in this psalm that starts with that declaration that it's all about God and it's not about us. These words go on to explain and explore some of those things that it can mean and mean specifically for our money. There are three things that I want us to share about what it means to be stewards of everything we've got. The first is this, flourishing and blessing are good, but it's all for his glory. Now, you may have heard the phrase prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel, supposedly good news, is that, is that if you give to God, he will bless you. If you maybe give to a particular Christian ministry, then God will bless that by blessing you financially. That he will bless you with good health and with wealth. It's this idea that if you give to God, he'll give back to you. It's not a relationship. It's a, it's a transaction. Uh, you may hear some uh, Christian leaders sadly saying, if you give to me and to my ministry, then God will bless you abundantly. You will become rich. You will become healthy. You will be wealthy and you will be happy. It is not what the Bible says. The prosperity gospel, I want to be incredibly clear, is both not good news. It's not in the Bible and it's poisonous and it's evil. The prosperity gospel that says, if you scratch God's back, he'll scratch yours, is not true. But there's another thing that can sometimes be a kind of reaction to that, which, which I might call a poverty gospel. And a poverty gospel is one that sort of equates being holy and being poor. If you're poor, if you're hard done by, if you don't have wealth, then you can be truly holy. That's also wrong. There is nothing unholy about being wealthy. There is nothing unholy about having stuff, about having money, about having possessions. We need to remember that the whole of Jesus's earthly ministry for those three years was, was funded off the back of three wealthy women. Wealthy people can do good things with that wealth. This is not a question about how much money you have. It's a question about how you have money. I'll say that again. It's not a question about how much money you have. It's a question about how you have money money. If you're wealthy, brilliant, fantastic, that's great. Doesn't make you more important than anyone else. Doesn't mean your voice should count for more than anyone else. Doesn't mean you have better access or closer access to God than anyone else. 
it does mean that you have a tool at your disposal that other people might not have. Being wealthy is not a bad thing. In fact, being wealthy can be a very good thing. These, these verses that speak about, may the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord. It's calling for God to cause people to be blessed and to flourish. And in this life, that can also mean flourishing in business or flourishing in finance or flourishing in possessions. These are not bad things. They can be good things. But all of us are called to steward what we have. Whatever we have, whatever we've been granted, however much stuff, a lot or a little, we're called to use it. We're called to steward it well. If you have much, you have, a, you have a tool that other people may not have. If you have little, it doesn't mean you aren't called to steward that which you do have. I think it is good to pray for flourishing. It is good to pray that we would be financially uh, blessed. Not for our own sake, not for our own benefit. Remember, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. If God blesses you financially, brilliant, fantastic. Doesn't make you more worthy than anyone else, but it does mean you have a responsibility to know how to steward that and to use it well. I think it's good to pray, not just for, for our own flourishing, but for the flourishing of those around us. Praying over our communities, praying over local businesses, praying over local leaders, praying that God would bless, that God would flourish those who are around us. So the first thing, flourishing and blessing are a good thing, but it's all for his glory. The second thing that I want to share is that God has given everything in this world to us and it's all for his glory. Verse 16 of the verses we're looking at says the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. It's this idea that, that God owns everything, but he's given some things to us. This is a crucial point about being a steward. An owner looks after their own stuff, a steward looks after someone else's things. Let's go right back to the very, very beginning of the Bible. Just after people have been made, what's the first thing we hear about them? Well, in Genesis chapter one, verse 27 and 28, we read, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God goes on to list all the different things that he has already made and how he's giving them to us, giving them to people to rule over, to reign over, to steward, to bless, to help them to grow and to flourish. God, when he made people, he said, you are made in my image. In other words, you are like me. I've put my stamp on you. And then he says, and I give you all of this to look after, to steward, to use. That was right at the very beginning of the Bible. God hasn't stopped doing that to each generation, to each new person. He gives things. He, he gives things to us that we might that we might steward them, that we might use them. It might be loads. It might be a little. Finances, possessions, time, skills, gifts, talents. All of these things are things that he gives us. The question to us is, how will we use them? How will we steward them? God has given everything in this world to us. It's all for his glory, so how will we steward it? Well, when it comes to money, I wanna get practical for a moment. Here are some things that you might need to do in order to steward what you've got well. I wanna start this by saying that some of what I'm saying might be second nature to you. To someone else it might not be, so it's worth saying. 
Some of these things might seem completely irrelevant to you because of whatever situation you're in. That's okay, they might be relevant to someone else and so it's worth saying. There's going to be a whole spectrum of different things here. But they're all based on biblical advice, based on what the scriptures say about money in one of those 2,000 verses that I mentioned earlier on. We're not going through all of them, don't worry. But here are some practical things that you could do today or this week to start to steward your money maybe better than you have done up until now. First, take stock. Take stock of what you own. What do you have? What do you have in the bank? What possessions do you have? And then what are you actually spending your money on? Take stock of what you have, but also take stock of your actions. How is it that you spend your money? How's that broken down? Maybe you need to go through your last few bank statements and just actually take note. Look at it and, and see what it's telling you about the way you actually spend your money. And ask, does that align with my priorities in life? Does that align with what I think is most important? If you find as you take stock that you're spending loads of money in this area, but actually that's an area that when you think about it, isn't that important? And there's this other area that you'd love to pursue, but you never feel as though you have the funds to do it. Maybe you need to take stock and realign things. So take stock. Second, have a plan. Most people will have some form of income and some form of outgoings. Write that down. Write it down with amounts. Tally it up. Does it, does it balance? Are your, is your income greater than your expenditure and you can save? Is your income less than your expenditure and actually you're, you're growing in debt? Have a plan. Make a plan for, for, for how you will manage your sort of monthly income and outgoings. Have a plan and try to stick to it. Third thing, save well. There's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs in the Bible, chapter 24, verse 27 says, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. It's this idea that before you can pursue something, before you can do something, before you can, in this example, build your house, you've got to have saved for it, you've got to have prepared for it, you've got to have got all the materials, all of the resources that you need in order to be able to do it. Saving in order to prepare for something is a very biblical principle. Saving well is a good thing to do. Do you need to make a savings plan? Do you need to start a savings account? Do you need to start putting some money away, whether that's in a sock drawer somewhere or whether that's in a bank account somewhere? Saving up because there's something maybe on the horizon that you want to pursue, but at the minute you aren't able to do. Saving well is an important thing to do. But here's another thing that kind of goes with it. Spend well. Saving is always in order to spend. I mean, the verse in Proverbs doesn't say prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and then don't do anything. It says, no, build the house. Sometimes it's right to spend what we have. Spending isn't a dirty word. Spending isn't a negative thing. Spending isn't a sort of selfish thing to do. Of course, it depends what we're spending on and whether it's aligned with the priorities that we should have. See, saving is always so that that money can be used for something good in the future, not just to accumulate more and more and more stuff. A rainy day fund is good, but maybe some of us need to ask, ask the question, just how rainy are we expecting that day to be? And do we really need as much as we've got tucked away? Or could some of that money be invested in something else, something good, someone else that you know, an opportunity, a cause, something that, that you've wanted to pursue but held back from for now? So between saving and spending, there are good things that we can do with our money to resource, to steward everything that God has given us. 
Now, knowing which to do when and what to spend on isn't always easy. So for discernment, pray. In this month of prayer, maybe the best thing you can do is to pray about your finances. Pray and ask God, what should our priorities be? What should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing? What should I be saving? Am I saving too much? Am I saving too little? Where do you want me to spend my money? Is there something that you want me to spend on, to invest in, to give to? Uh, this is more of an internal thing. Kill greed in your heart and learn to find contentment. It is absolutely possible to worship with our wealth. What we need to make sure we're not doing is worshipping wealth. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes in the Bible that says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. If you think, oh, well, if I have more money, then I'll be satisfied, you won't. You'll just greedily accumulate it and then find yourself wanting more. There's that other more famous phrase in the Bible. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say that money is the root of evil. It says that the love of money can be the root of all kinds of evil. If we see ourselves seeing someone who's got more of us and being jealous, we need to kill greed in our heart. If we see ourselves uh, thinking, oh, well, if only I had more, when actually you're reasonably comfortable already. We need to kill that greed in our heart and seek to find contentment instead in something else. Find contentment in God. Find contentment in what he has given us rather than in what he hasn't. That's something that we can only do in prayer. And the final thing that I think we all need to do to steward God's resources well, which may go without saying, but may not, and so I'll say it anyway, is to be honest in our financial dealings. Pay your taxes. Don't deceive people. Be, be beyond reproach in the way that you deal with your, uh, with your tax returns, with the way that you deal with your company's finances. Finding loopholes or evading or avoiding things may seem in this world to be a wise thing to do, but remember it is God's resources that he is stewarding and God is the God of truth and integrity and honesty not the God of deception and of lies. So be honest in everything. There's actually gonna be a blog post published up on our website and the link uh, is just below now. And that blog post uh, will, will, will take you to some really practical stuff. It's written by a member of our church family who, who, who works in the financial uh, sector. And it's got some really good, strong advice for the way that you, and again, it's based on biblical truth, the way that you can engage with and use and, and, and steward money well. I'd really encourage you to go and check it out. It may give you some ideas further to what I've just said. So that was the second thing, that everything we've been given is by God and it's our role to steward it. The third thing, which may seem obvious, but which again I think is worth saying, is that we need to steward what we have while we're alive. We need to steward what we have while we're alive and it's all for his glory. Final couple of verses say, it's not the dead who praise the Lord. Those who go down to the place of silence, it is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. You only get your stuff once. Money is not eternal. The impact of your money and the way you use it could be. If you choose to just spend, spend, spend on yourself, on making a more comfortable life and on a, on a, on a quote unquote better life for yourself now, that will not be an eternal thing. There will be a point when we die, there'll be a point when we cannot take that with us. Money is not eternal. The impact of it 
could be. Inheritance and, and leaving things to those that we love is, of course, a good way of stewarding things. But it's not the only way that we can steward things well with a kind of eternal mindset. The only people who can steward what God has given them right now are people who follow God and are alive right now. My hope is that one day, should God bless us with children, that we will be able to leave them a financial legacy. We'll be able to leave them things that will help them in their lives. But I want to make sure that the legacy that we leave future generations is more than an inheritance of wealth. I want to leave a legacy of the impact of stewarding everything God has given, that there may be an inheritance of kingdom life, an inheritance of faith, an inheritance of people who know God and are, and are related to him, have been adopted into his family. That's far more than any financial legacy I could ever give or I could ever leave. It is up to us, those of us who are alive, to steward what God has given us now. Leaving that to others can be a part of that, absolutely. But don't see it as the only way. Maybe God is challenging you and asking you to consider what is it that you could invest in now? What is it that is good, that is beautiful, going on in your own life that you could that you could allot a bit more money to, or going on around you that you could invest in? We're called to steward everything that we have. What will that look like for you? What will that look like for me? And remember, not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. So let's remember, let's remember that flourishing and blessing are good and let's pray for that, for ourselves and for others. Let's remember that everything that God has given us is to be used and to be stewarded well. Let's remember that we need to do that now. We need to do it in this life that we have. Let me pray. Let me pray that as we seek to get in shape financially, that God would be guiding and God would be instructing us in all the ways that we need him to. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you care about the whole of us. You don't just care about 10% of us that, that you might get back from us. You care about the whole of us. You want our lives to be whole. You want our lives to be full. You want our lives to flourish and to prosper in all kinds of different ways, financially and not. And Lord, I ask that as we seek to bring finances before you, that you would guide us really clearly and really closely. We submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to talk any of this through, if you'd like to uh, get in touch, then my email uh, is at the bottom of the screen right now. If you know someone else in the church you'd rather contact, by all means contact them. There are people in our church who will not judge, who will uh, respect confidentiality, but who know about finance, who can give financial advice and maybe help you to make a plan for what it is that you might do with your money. Like I say, no judgment, no condemnation, just help and listening and maybe some guidance. Now I'm going to uh, hand back to, to, to the worship group who are going to lead us again.